Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey there, it's the Bauer and Rose Show for Tuesday, Arraignment Day. We almost can say that every time, unfortunately. You're listening to the Bauer and Rose Show right here on the Bauer and Rose podcast, available wherever you get your podcast, hosted by our good friends at justthenews.com. And we've got a new wrinkle, Gary, not in your aging face or my aging face, but the new wrinkle <laughs> is we now have a Bauer and Rose email. So that if you've got oh. questions, comments, alternate monologues, please feel free to send them to us. The email address is Bauer and Rose Radio at gmail.com. What do you think of that? Holy, holy moly. We are taking over the world. There's just no question about it. Although I must say, Tom, I have, of course, my own personal email re- related to my various uh, organizations and i got up this morning i didn't uh i didn't stay on top of the the email late yesterday afternoon i got up this morning i had 765 emails now 764 of them were various people notifying me that i had won a new car a new house and air conditioning my delivery is on the way here's some ed drugs we'll give them to you free uh, i mean just you know i mean but uh I'm glad that Bauer Rose now has an email because we got to have redundancy built in. So you know, the other day, Tom, by the way, that just reminded me. I, I just the gave the wrong address. I gave the wrong address. Oh, I pulled. I pulled. A, did I assume that? I pulled a Gary Bauer move, and I gave all our tens upon tens of listeners the wrong address. It is Bauer. It was and, not a Gary Bauer move. It was a. It was a uh, President Biden move. <laughs> no, we had we had Chris Ray sitting on the email address for. Three years denying it existed. It's Bauer and Rose Radio, all lowercase, at gmail.com. Go ahead with your irrelevance. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was just getting ready to say that uh, a, a week or so ago, some entity in the federal government, one of these entities uh, that was established to keep us safe and who represent the biggest and growing threat to our being safe, uh, warned that at any moment there could be an internet apocalypse where great portions of the country would be unable to access the internet for months. So I'm assuming that at some point between now and election day in 2024, uh, somehow all red states will lose internet, probably just going right into the election. Uh, that, that's the kind of world we live in and that's the kind of paranoia more and more Americans are feeling as we see uh, our constitutional republic uh, disappear right in front of our eyes. Where are you uh, vis-a-vis? Here are two issues, and I think it confronts all non-Trump Republican candidates, because there are two issues here, I think. Number one is the indictment, and number two is... Uh, selective prosecution, I don't know if that's actually a legal defense. Here's my problem, and I'll let, you, I'll let you bounce it off. If Hillary Clinton should have been prosecuted for her gross violations of the Espionage Act, for her obstruction, which I believed then and continue to believe now that she should have been prosecuted for, then... Why shouldn't Trump be prosecuted for the same thing? Of course, now the argument is she wasn't prosecuted. So selective prosecution vis-a-vis Trump. But the whole thing, I think, the whole thing is this massive, magnificent smokescreen to hide or deflect from the far more serious cover-up, FBI, DOJ cover-up of the Biden bribery allegations. Well, 
uh, you've given me a real plate of spaghetti there, Tom, uh, and I'm not sure I can sort it out uh, noodle by noodle. Uh, but it, in their own way, they're all linked together. And uh, let me just make a couple of observations. Num- number one, uh, it is sadly and uh, overwhelmingly apparent that, um, uh, as I alluded to a few minutes ago, that major portions of the federal law enforcement establishment is uh, has been weaponized by the neo-Marxist left, not only to destroy our political leaders, uh, whether it's Trump or let's say he doesn't manage to survive all this and the party nominates DeSantis or um, you know, Tim Scott or Mike Pence or they, they each of those nominees would have to signal that they were going to not upset the apple cart. They were not going to do anything uh, extraordinarily bold to stop the march of this dual system of justice and this transformation of America from a constitutional republic to some sort of European socialist neo-Marxist entity, uh, or if they refuse to signal that or to act in a way consistent with that assurance, they would face the same uh, attacks, um, vicious attacks, attacks that would accuse them of illegality, of violating various rules, laws, regulations. They would be monitored, their phones their conversations in the White House, their calls with foreign leaders will be leaked, leaked, et cetera. But in addition to all that, uh, this dual system of justice, this weaponization of the legal system, certainly at the federal level and increasingly even in some locales, extends to where you are on the abortion issue. If you're pro-life, you're going to have to fight for your life. And to save your family, if you dare push back when somebody pushes you, if you are pro-death, pro-abortion, you've got a pretty good chance of setting a crisis pregnancy center on fire or desecrating a church and not end up being prosecuted because you'll never be caught. I don't know if you remember, Tom, some months ago. Somebody at the FBI, I think it might have been Ray, was asked, how do you explain that you catch almost none of the pro-abortion people attacking churches and crisis pregnancy centers? And whoever it was responded, well, you, you know, they do a lot of this at night and it's harder to identify them then. Wow, what a concept. Crime occurring at night and the excuse being, well, when it occurs at night, there's very little we can do. Oh, like I, I could spend the rest of the show on that. So th- that 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 double system of justice is happening, and it is undermining America's freedom, our commitment to free institutions, our constitutional republic, more than a thousand January six could ever do. There are millions of Americans who feel powerless to impact our government and our elected officials. They feel powerless. They feel powerless because they are powerless. There's no banana republic on the planet that um, uh, doesn't have influential propagandists or agitprop people doing the dirty work of the regime. And there are plenty of them now surrounded by this Trump indictment. Although I will say again, and, and, and this is where it's difficult for me politically, the indictment is pretty serious. Unlike the Alvin Bragg sham, <clears throat> the indictment uh, presents the president with a tough case. I'm not saying he doesn't have a defense. I think he's got a pretty damn good defense. But the problem, of course, is the double standard. When there is... A two-tier system of justice, there is no justice. You can't have a criminalized uh, a judicial system 
designed for political purposes. And Jack Smith, this special counsel that handled the criminal investigation, engaged in prosecutorial conduct that one might define as misconduct. Alan Dershowitz, I watched last night, Gary, asked the question, can two things be true at the same time? Can uh, Trump have been railroaded Can Trump have been denied due process of law by use, for example, of the crime fraud exemption provision, which allows prosecutors to trample all over attorney client privilege? Can all that be true? And can Trump be guilty at the same time? And his answer was he can be guilty, but he can't be convicted because our rules of procedure are designed to protect the accused. You're the lawyer. What do you think of that argument? Well, Tom, I I don't even, I don't know what he's guilty of. Now, I haven't read through uh, the the pages of the documents because I don't generally want to, you know, read uh, what liars are saying in, in their efforts to, uh, destroy people like me. Uh, I, I, I don't want to read it because all it will do is infuriate me. But I don't see how what he did is any different than what every recent president has done, uh, Republican and Democrat, in recent American history. There is a dispute There is a dispute between Donald Trump and the federal government over what documents belong to him and what documents belong to the federal government. And that is the identical dispute that has happened in the president before Trump and the president before him and the president before him. And some of those disputes are continuing to go on. Um, The so that's that's one issue. The second issue is this fixation on classified material that's being mishandled. It, it, this is a, a president, you know, and, you know, filling all all the blanks. A a week, usually really a day, does not pass in Washington D.C. without being able to read an article in a major newspaper or hear it on one of the three networks or on cable news in which somebody has released classified information to a reporter in order to get a conservative. This happens with regularity. The Post will run the story. Uh, sources at the Department of Defense uh, speaking on anonymity because the material they're sharing are classified material has said that Donald Trump had a plan to send the Marines in and occupy the state of New York. Well, of course he doesn't. That I mean, that, so it wasn't classified material. Uh, well, then it was a lie. And the lie was made more powerful by saying it was classified. None. This is regularly done. This is how the the F. By the way, that the FBI, the NSA, the CIA are avoiding congressional oversight. We want you to come up here and testify about this. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's classified. We we uh, can't share that with you. This, Tom, this has been going on forever. And this is it's what allowed. This- it's what allowed uh, FBI, the FBI director, uh, the, to to wiretap Martin Luther King. This is why I th- anybody in Congress be able to figure it out. This is why I th- first of all, this is the issue, right? There is Donald Trump's classified imbroglio. There's Hillary Clinton's classified imbroglio. The real issue is coming up, and I think it'll hit us this summer. We could be headed to a constitutional crisis over two issues. Number one would be congressional oversight. 
nowhere in our Constitution is there an FBI. No one in our nowhere in our Constitution is there even a Department of Justice. Congress has oversight over the executive branch. The FBI is part of the executive branch. The FBI reports to the DOJ. When you have Congress threatening to subpoena the director of the FBI for refusing to comply with the request to see a very high-level FBI whistleblower document. This isn't just some schmuck calling in and saying my neighbor's got a buzzsaw and he's threatening to you know cut up the neighbors. The FD-1023 document, which you're familiar with, I'm familiar with, but some of our listeners might not be, is the highest form of a whistleblower complaint. And in this instance, the whistleblower is a highly paid FBI informant that is, quote unquote, extremely credible. The FBI doesn't pay informants six figures a year to investigate matters because they're on a lark. This document, this whistleblower in 2020 submitted an FD 1023 document. Now, remember, this is a legal document and you sign it under the penalty of perjury. If anything you say, whether in, intentionally or unintentionally, is false or misleading, you subject yourself to a fe, to a to a, a a felony with a uh, a fine, not to exceed two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for each misstatement, and a term of imprisonment not to exceed ten years for each false or misleading statement. The FBI gets this document. They sit on it and lie about it for three years. And the document, of course, alleges extensively that Joe Biden, through his son Hunter, took between 10 and $31 million in bribes from foreign entities. We don't know who those entities are because the document, even though it isn't classified, Gary, it's a non-classified document, not unclassified, which means it used to be classified. and Now it's not. It's non-classified. So when the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, James Comer, demands to see the document, Christopher Wray, who, let's be honest, Donald Trump, we appointed the White House I worked in, appointed as FBI director, for months denied the document even exist, said there's no such thing. And then when Chuck Grassley, who chairs the Senate equivalent, I can't remember what it's called, his his committee, calls Christopher Ray and says, sorry, Chris, you're lying. I've seen the document. Then Ray had to admit it existed. And then when Comer demanded that the committee be able to see it, Ray denied that. Comer had to threaten him with contempt of Congress. The document then, he said, under threat of contempt, could be seen by the ranking member and chairman of the committee in a SCIF. A SCIF is a secured classified information facility where classified documents can be seen. You're not allowed to take them out. You're not allowed to bring phones in. You can take notes, but you have to leave the notes there. So why would they be demanding that a non-classified document be seen in a SCIF? In other words, they've been sitting on this for three years. They've refused to investigate. But when Donald Trump comes around... They managed to put together a team of up to 50 professional prosecutors and investigators, and they get the Mar-a-Lago thing done in nine months. They've been sitting on the Hunter Biden. This is this is the other issue. This is the pre-laptop issue. This is his tax evasion. This is his violation of, of uh, a federal registry for gun laws. They've been sitting on that for five years. So whether the Trump indictment is true or not true, the bigger issue, the broader issue is the unequal application of justice. And that is a direct threat to our country, our way of life, and I don't know. I don't. I don't see how there's any going back. I don't see how the Rubicon can be recrossed. No, Tom. It's uh, you, you know we've said this, even though I, I suspect that neither of us fully believe it. Uh, we've said we're in a battle, the final battle. That this is it. We're. I mean, we've been saying this for a couple of years. 
I think we both believe that if Hillary Clinton had won the presidency in 2016, it would have all been over then because she would have fulfilled filled three Supreme Court vacancies. Uh, and that would have removed the one institution in America right now that is trying to uphold the equal protection of the laws, the words of the Constitution, and the whole concept of us being a nation of, of laws and not men. It would have been over then. She would, her administration would have had the same types of personnel, and, and we'd be finished. We bought time. Trump bought us uh, remarkable amounts of time. That's why there is such a vicious attack on the Supreme Court that started the day Joe Biden walked into the Oval Office and which is on steroids as they attempt to threaten, uh, I think, in intentionally used rhetoric that they knew would cause unbalanced people to try to kill some Supreme Court justices. You don't have to believe me on that. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts said, uh, no, I believe it was, uh, uh, it was uh, one of the other Supreme Court justices in a speech said, I believe they wanted somebody to try to kill us and somebody tried. Alito. Uh, so, we, the, it's all out there. We keep getting bogged down in these details of the latest news cycle or whatever, when our problem is there are still millions of us that don't fully understand the nature of the fight we're in and and what it means for the future of not only ourselves, but more importantly, our children and grandchildren. We are dishonoring the founders and all previous generations that sacrifice to enable us to live in a free country. And we are condemning our children and grandchildren to lesser lives. I, because of what is happening right now. I've got a, a good buddy. I mention him on the show all the time that I bike ride with, and I've known him for 30 years and is a very dear friend and a big liberal. And we're riding the other day, and I'm explaining this to him, and he says, well, haven't you just undercut your own argument? Weren't you in charge of the DOJ and the FBI when this 1023 was filed back in 2020? And my response was, Mark, you're making my point. We were the Christmas help. There's a federal bureaucracy of 2.2 million people. And I'll say this, and it is somewhat, um, well, it's an admission of a, a Trump administration failure that I was a part of. I don't know that we could have avoided it. We were elected because we were outsiders, because we were not Washington insiders, we didn't know the game. We didn't want to play the game. We get there. The rules are written. The analogy that I can think of is that we are a visiting team that somehow managed to make it to the finals. We get into the stadium and learn that the referees work for the opposing team, that the rules have been changed so that they, irrespective of the fact that we're the, you know, the other, uh, the challenger, the champion in this league, that they get the ball first and goal from the one yard line uh, with 20 attempts to get in. We constantly have to play defense. We didn't control the FBI when we were in the White House. We didn't control the DOJ when we were in the White House. This entire apparatus that has been built over the past 100 years isn't something that one administration in one term that, frankly, to be perfectly honest, when we got there, we didn't know what the heck we knew what we the president knew what he wanted to do. We knew what our objectives were. We knew what the president wanted to achieve, what we didn't know how to do. And I'm still not sure that we do know how to do 
is how to remove all the obstacles that have institutionally been put into place over the past hundred years that prevented us and continue to prevent us from getting from point A to point B. That's the worry. The administrative state is now so massive and so powerful that it doesn't really matter when we win elections. Well, it, it, it matters, Tom, because um, even with all of the things you just said in that analysis, all of which I, I agree with, uh, we were able nonetheless to accomplish incredible things. You're right. And, and it's why they're so furious. I mean, we have taken we, – we have thrown overboard uh, one of the most important parts of their, uh, their secular uh, neo-Marxist religion, which is the, uh, the non-existent right they claim was in the Constitution to take the life of an innocent unborn baby – uh, all nine months of the pregnancy and even uh, during the delivery or the day after the delivery, uh, if that's what suits the purposes of the people involved. Now, states are you know, implementing that uh, that religious to them uh, uh, concept in certain states like New York and California, but dozens of states are re-examining that whole issue and providing protection at various stages of the unborn child's life. You're right. That's not a minor thing. No, it is not. There's probably 100,000 babies that are alive today that would not have been alive if the Supreme Court, with a conservative majority on it, didn't uh, decide as they did in, in one year ago uh, almost to the day, I believe it was June 24th, uh, to get rid of that pillar of radical neo-Marxist uh, uh, left-wing, whatever you want to call it, that has dominated the country. Um, there, there are other things happening because of uh, what conservative states with Republican majorities that have been uh, inspired by, uh, woken up by uh, what Donald Trump and, and the Trump administration did during those years. And instead of sleepwalking, they are now taking on directly the culture war in, in ways that are they're, they're not only passing the right laws on Every aspect of that, which I won't go over again, there's many aspects of it, but they're not only passing laws, but in the course of the debate on passing those laws, they're standing up, they're making the arguments, and the polling data is showing that each year in the last three years, unbelievably, more and more Americans agree with us on all these issues. The, 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 you know, I'll just give you one example. Are there two genders or are there 12 or 30 or 52 genders? That sprang on the American people, you know, five, six years ago. And they're like, what? And then you had, you know, movie stars and all kinds of cultural leaders. I know they're 52 or whatever. And I, I remember three years ago, three and a half years ago, I was kind of depressed at how little you know, there was a majority with us, but it was it was pretty small. That has moved totally in our direction. Now, unbelievably, there, there's still, I think, 27 percent of the country, the core of the Democrat Party that say, no, there are more than two genders. And, you know, in spite of biology and every other. But they control the problem, Gary. The problem, Gary, is they control everything. I mean, we have a left that is utterly obsessed with sexualizing kids, and they're celebrated yesterday in one of the most, I mean, I wouldn't call it disgusting because that gives disgusting um, at too good of a name, uh, event at the White House for, I mean, it looked like, I thought it was a strip show for hookers. Uh, I thought it, you know, I thought it was some event to celebrate 
all the pornography on Hunter Biden's laptop. Yesterday, the White House had a pride party, so to speak, which was uh, I wouldn't even call it a disgrace to the country because it's 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 so much worse than that. Um, This was an event where the American flag of all the outrages yesterday, and you know this story better than I do, of all the outrages yesterday, the least offensive to show you how horrendous it was, was the disrespecting of the American flag where the pride flag was flown higher than the American flag, which is a violation of um, flag etiquette and perhaps even uh, laws. I'm not I'm not quite sure of that. Uh, but yesterday you had women bare breasted. By the way, Tom, let me, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it, you, a lot of the news came out yesterday, but this was actually an event last week. Oh, I'm sorry. OK, uh, that's OK. That's okay. Um, but more and more, more and more things are coming out on it. And you're you're correctly uh, discussing it. So I, I forgive me for interrupting. Go on with your description. No, no. I, I mean, here and this is all in the backdrop of a president that argues and compels his administration, most of whom agree, obviously, argues that removing books that contain graphic details of sex acts creates a hostile environment for LGBT kids and constitutes censorship. Yet, Gary, find a Bible somewhere in a public school library and you will be labeled by the FBI as a domestic extremist, the left is always against parental rights when those parents expo- uh, are opposed to exposing their little kids to uh, genitals and teaching them what disgusting uh, gay sex acts are. But they're totally pro-parental choice when their choice is to show little kids body parts and explain what these disgusting uh, homosexual acts are. What else is anyone able to conclude but that open LGP identification is inextricably linked with with, uh, pornography and sexually targeting kids, um, uh, STDs and all these other ills that our society is overwhelmed with. There was an NBC News piece. I'm sure you probably saw it on cross-dressers wanting to perform sex dances in front of grade school children. It aired a couple of weeks ago, and the reporter linked these new laws in red states trying to prevent these sexual performances in front of kids at public schools with domestic extremism. The program showed... Absolutely right. The program showed these men wearing red skirts and masks um, uh, outside protesting, making what looked like a Nazi motion as an example of the kinds of people like you and me, Gary, who oppose crotch grabbing dancers in front of kids. So if you oppose sex dances for little kids, if you oppose uh, extremely graphic sex books extolling perverted lifestyles for little kids, then you're a Nazi. Get it? I get it. It's easy. I'm a Nazi. You're a Nazi. Yeah. You know, Tom, the, uh, the at the event at the White House, um, uh, major media pretty well ignored the event uh, other than saying that the president spoke uh, to a large crowd at the White House today uh, bemoaning the onslaught of laws uh, attacking the LGBTQ community and uh, condemning the hate and discrimination and attacks on transgender children uh, that the Republican Party and the conservatives are promoting all over the country. So that's what the media thought happened. Things that happened on the the lawn of the White House, Tom. I mean, some of them, some of them came out yesterday uh, be, because the people involved in them, they themselves were so proud of what they did on the lawn of the White House of the United States of America, uh, stripping to the waist and then putting the images either of their scarred chests 
where women have had their breasts taken off in an insane effort to become men. And then a man who had had breast augmentation surgery taking his top off uh, to display the handiwork on the lawn of the White House with the White House in the background, the, the LGBTQ flag hung from it. And the president of the United States, who had just taken a photograph with the one trans woman, uh, you know, he's got a big smile and they're, you know, hugging each other. Moments after that, she rips off her top. So the president in his remarks, Tom, refers to this crowd, many of whom are actively involved in the effort, the movement demanding the right to sexualize your children and grandchildren beginning in kindergarten. And that you as a parent or a grandparent or just a normal person better not try to stop them or they will cancel you. They will ruin you. They will make your life miserable. They will put you into the same category as the Ku Klux Klan and Nazis. If you dare speak up at these, the sexualization of America's kids. And lo and behold, Tom, people are fighting back. They're fighting back all over the country. They are refusing. They're not allowing this to be, they're not allowed to, this to be uh, used to intimidate them. And we're winning the debate that we're not going to win it in California at the state level or in New York at the state level, because the entire Democratic Party in those states has committed itself to undying loyalty to the people who want to put your seven-year-old in front of this perversion. And the Republican Party ought to be saying that every chance they get, because the public is moving more strongly in our favor on this than they are almost anything else on the conservative agenda. I We can't get figures like the figures showing up now on the idea of don't raise marginal tax rates on billionaires. We get clobbered when you ask the American people about that. Or how about this? Do you think your Social Security check is too large? Would you support a Republican effort to lower those checks or to raise the age of retirement to 72 or 73 or 74 public is overwhelmingly against that but we will spend political capital on those things as we also keep reminding people that what thought what joe biden has really done wrong in ukraine is not get into putin's face enough his problem is He's not doing enough to risk a nuclear war. That's what we're going to. That's what a lot of our candidates who are competing right now want to run on in 2024. Elect us. We'll take greater risk of a nuclear war than Sleepy Joe will. I, I, I so mean, as far as going on, no, as as there's a lot going on. And and. We, I think we're, we're winning yard. Well, I want one final comment and I'll shut up. Tom, uh, that, that LGBTQ flag, that's not a minor thing. It's not just like, oh, can you believe they did that? Move on. Flags are planted when a takeover has taken place. That flag on the moon put there by our astronauts was a devastating thing for the Soviet Union to see. That was the United States saying to the world, look, freedom wins. Freedom is better. We're on the moon, not the communists. You plant flags at Iwo Jima. You raise the American flag when you are making a statement that here, our constitutional values of liberty under God will prevail. That flag that was on the White House was just like the gay pride lights that Obama Biden bathed the White House in. It is a statement to normal America. You're over. 
We control the high ground. Your children will learn what we tell you they will learn when we tell you they will learn it. So how can you say we're winning this argument? That's my point. If 80% of the American, that's the problem in living in a country that is controlled by extremists. So what? I mean, I love Gary Bauer. So what if he's right that 85% of the American people are opposed to this devastating, disgusting excrement? They shove it down our throats. They fly that flag higher than the American flag at the White House. California passes a law that criminalizes any attempt by a parent not to affirm their child's gender identification du jour. Kids can be taken away now in California if their parents refuse to affirm their gender identity, whatever that would be. And for an 11-year-old, it could change three times a week. I, I don't know. This could be a record Bauer and Rose show because I think for the first time, I'm more pessimistic than you are. Well, Tom, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not worried, concerned, and think that we're way down the pike. What I'm saying is their efforts to indoctrinate the public is not working. And at the end of the day, if the majority of the country is with us, then in locales where they're able to exert themselves, elect new school boards. And by the way, this is happening all over the country. We will prevail in those communities. We will prevail in those classes. Gary, 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 this is actually, this is, this is delicious for me because I'm now more pessimistic than you are. That's exactly what we said when the gay marriage debate began. Well, 80% are with us. That's exactly what we said when decriminalizing drugs was discussed. Well, 80% are with us, are, are with us, with legalizing marijuana, with uh, same-sex marriage with, you know, all these other dramatic changes to our social norms. It always started with 80% opposed, and we lost every damn one of them. Yes, Tom, but we lost them in most cases because the courts, acting as an ongoing constitutional convention, ended debate by saying that in the Constitution there were hidden rights to do these asinine things like redefine marriage. They don't have the Supreme Court right now. We've got, depending on how you count it, five and a half or six justices. If we can win the next presidential election, that majority is likely uh, to be preserved or perhaps even strengthened, depending who the actuarial tables works their will on of the current uh, Supreme Court justices. There are things to uh, point to that gives us a path to victory. But, but, but that's why we none of us should be undermining Trump, whether you like him or not. I agree. He's the reason we're in the position of strength we're in right now. Nobody should be saying, okay, well, you know, we need to be forward looking and stop talking about whether there was cheating in the last election or not. Well, you dope. I don't talk, I'm not talking about you, Tom. I'm just saying that people make this argument. Well, that's a well, that's an improvement. People, <laughs> people, of course, want to know about the future, but they, but the, what's in the future? An election. And guess what? It's already been rigged. Here we are 18 months out from the election. And there's already more election in interference against us than there was in 2020, because, of course, these indictments are political. I'm not saying that this uh, 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 current indictment against Trump, as opposed to the utter sham of a hoax of a of a scam, the New York Alvin Bragg indictment. But this is obviously more serious. And in this 1023 that we referred to earlier, Chuck Grassley, who is the most responsible member of the Senate on whistleblowing matters. This has been his uh, uh, cause for life. This has been his 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 uh, personal um, 
personal hobby horse for the past 30 years, and he's been very bipartisan about it. 17 secret recordings, audio recordings of Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and this Burisma executive who allegedly paid them $10 million. The recordings were kept, according to the 1023, as an insurance policy by this Ukrainian executive, whose name, of course, has been redacted on an unclassified document. I think this shows why Trump was indicted on these charges, because they knew the knowledge of those tapes would come out and again be covered up for uh, the Biden crime family. Today's New York Times, Gary... Uh, uh, No, I was just going to say today's New York Times, not a word, not a word. And the argument is, well, it's not verified. Well, of course, it's not verified because the FBI refuses to investigate it. Yeah, no, Tom, you're you're absolutely right. Look, remember, I mean, we all remember that Trump uh, talking to Zelensky on the phone uh, said, hey, I, you know, I sure would appreciate it if you would help us get to the bottom of the corruption that was taking place with people in your country and uh, with uh, the Biden family. And they, you know, they tried to impeach Trump on, on that. They did phone call. Yeah. So yes, all, all it's funny. No, they, 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 they impeach Trump for asking about Biden corruption, but they won't even investigate Biden corruption. Yep. No, absolutely. Uh, Look, look, Tom, there's a there's a serious question here. I you probably aren't going to want to hear this one. Uh, is this the reason that Joe Biden, who his entire career has been wrong on foreign policy? This this was supposed to be a strong point. He's always his instincts have always been wrong on foreign policy. He didn't want to take out Osama bin Laden. No, no, no. Somebody could get hurt. Uh, is this the reason that all of a sudden he's Mr. Hawk when it comes to uh, Putin and Russia? He's still a wimp when it comes to communist China. But, you know, one hundred and thirteen billion dollars of taxpayer money. It raises the question, is he being extorted? Is he being told by people in Ukraine, you either get us more aid or these recordings are going to be made public? Oh, I don't. First of all, I I, I wouldn't uh, dispute that. I'm not sure that changes my position on Ukraine per se. But if Joe Biden is look, first of all, the guy was brain dead before he had two serious brain aneurysms in the late 1980s. He's the dumbest man to quote Mark Levin, dumbest man in the history of the U.S. Senate, dumbest vice president in American history. And now he really is kind of a walking corpse in the White House. I put nothing past them. He's, if, you know, Hillary spins circles around him in terms of uh, nefarious, malevolent, legal maneuverings. She's much smarter in those matters than Trump when it comes to this kind of thing. When she had her documents subpoenaed as the lawyer... As the, you know, malevolent, nefarious, devious lawyer, she knew how to take steps to obstruct justice in a way that Comey thought would make a prosecution difficult. While Trump is a normal guy and asked his lawyers pretty common questions that you and I were asked, you and I would ask, you or I would ask lawyers in a similar situation. And the Justice Department then uses the crime fraud exception to take what should be lawyer client uh, privilege uh, uh, immunities away from Trump. They take his lawyer's cell phones. They take his lawyer's notes. They take his lawyer's laptops, emails, text messages in what should be uh, attorney client privilege cases. And they use that against Trump in the indictment. You know, Tom, uh, uh, Congresswoman, I think her first name is, is it Nancy Mace? Nancy Mace, uh, North Carolina, uh, yeah, no, South Carolina. Yeah, she, yeah, she's no friend of Trump, but she said the other day, look, let's be clear about this. They want they want to put him in jail for life. They want him to die in prison. Geraldo Rivera and a couple of NSNBC commentators have suggested that the, the real silver lining in all of this is that when Trump realizes they're going to throw him in jail, they can say to him, we will drop it all if you publicly agree 
to withdraw your candidacy and not run for any public office again. And this is being brought up as something that we should wish for in America. Tom, is there any more proof that this was a political indictment than that? Then it's being used as a negotiating tool to get him out of the race. We probably came out in the last 24 hours, at least for me, I didn't realize it, that several of the attorneys that you're referring to, when the, the feds were leaning on them, the feds said to these attorneys who are pretty prominent people, if you keep defending Trump instead of basically turning in your own client, we will guarantee you, you will never be a federal judge. That alone ought to get the case thrown out of court. But all this, Tom, is to say, this is a thousand Concord bridges. There, there, there are skirmishes and major battles going on everywhere. And we, in our side, still haven't effectively connected the dots. Yeah, we're we're the people that are arguing now. Now wait a minute. You know, did uh, did did our guys at Concord? Did we fire first, or you know, did did were we saying something to the British soldiers that was inappropriate, raising our voices? Uh, well, wasn't that a violation of the rule of law? I mean, we're all English subjects. That's a, that's our own military. We don't undermine our own military. That that's what Republican presidential candidates are sounding like these days at a time when the very people they cannot possibly ever be elected president without are all thinking, my God, they're using the federal government law enforcement to take down half the country. These idiots like uh, Nikki Haley. Uh, or walking around going, this, these things, the president are led. This is serious. I, I would be. Oh my good, this is stuff that I. You know who's, you know who's playing this. You know who's, that? you know who's playing this smart. Gary is DeSantis. I think. Yeah, he is because he is. Uh, look, <clears throat> there is a chance, albeit a a. Um, very small chance there is a chance that god forbid this does undermine trump or this does prevent him from being the nominee or he does drop out which he says he'll never do and if that happens god forbid i say that because i want a fair election um trump voters aren't going anywhere and if trump voters feel like every other candidate in the race has been trashing and bad-mouthing trump on this issue They're sure as heck not going to go for them, whereas DeSantis, in my opinion, has been more supportive of Trump's case in this indictment and more outspoken and more articulate in calling out the dangerous uh, two standards of justice that we have in this country than any of the other candidates. So if that happens, I think DeSantis uh, uh, will benefit. I, well, I do too. You know, Peggy Noonan, who I loved when she was writing speeches for Ronald Reagan, increasingly in her old age goes off to deep end. She wrote a big column this past weekend in which she said if the Republican Party nominates Trump again, the Republican Party is dead. Basically, suburban Republicans won't uh, won't tolerate it again. They they will leave in droves. Well, is got, that perhaps that's wishful far. thinking on Peggy Noonan's case? Yeah, I've got news for her. if they don't nominate him again and the perception is that he didn't get nominated or he lost because the agencies of the federal government meant to protect us were used as weapons against him and by extension us. Right. That's the end of the Republican Party. And it may, Tom, be the end of America as we know it. I mean, look, I I hope there's a hundred thousand Trump supporters outside the courthouse in Miami peacefully protesting. But I also know if there's several thousand or 50,000 or a hundred thousand, 
there will probably be agents from the federal government in that crowd trying to incite violence. They're called agent provocateurs. They're probably already there. In fact, I'm watching video now. (laughs) They probably outnumber the legitimate protesters in front of the courthouse. It's going to be a zoo uh, later today in Miami. And this, uh, I hope you're, let's put it this way. For the first time, I actually hope you're right in your you know, positive assessments about Americans having finally turned the corner. I'll believe it when I see it. Not because the American people aren't principled, not because the American people don't understand what's going on, but we now live in a country that is controlled by institutions, powerful institutions in the public sector, i.e. the government, and in the private sector, namely big corporations. They've got such power and such control, I wonder what influence or impact the vast majority of the American people's opinions are going to have in all of this. I'm not going to allow anyone, least of all you, Tom, take away my world prize for pessimism. <laughs> so I want to be, I want to be absolutely clear about this. I, I have no doubt. I was, I have no uh, idea how this is going to come out. I think at best it's 50-50. I mean, the larger struggle to save America. At best, it's 50-50. I agree. Carol and I talk all the time about our grandchildren and what they will end up living under if this can't be turned around. What I'm optimistic about is I think with all that is against us, the fact that we are winning the debate with no major media outlets supporting us, is, I think, on these values issues, incredibly significant. Somehow, people are getting information on their own. This this recent poll showed that even among young Americans, uh, the number willing to say they were socially conservative went up significantly just in the last 12 months and is at the highest level since 2012. So something's happening. Twitter is no longer uh, dead to us because a billionaire, a weird guy in many ways, but also brilliant, took it over at great cost to himself. And there's another outlet, another way to get news. Every day, another prominent liberal stands up and says, that's it for me. I can't take it anymore. This isn't liberalism. This is something else. And that's with them having all the high ground. Wow. I, I, you know, yesterday, uh, uh, Marie, not the fellow, not what is her name, the, the former tennis player, lesbian tennis player, uh, Maria uh, 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 Martina Navatrilova. No, not for the well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Martina Navatrilova, the greatest woman tennis player yeah. of all time. Yeah, she she heard the news that a man claiming he was a woman. Uh, defeated all the actual women in a cyclist race. By like nine minutes or something. (laughs) Yes, right. Something ridiculous, something totally ridiculous. And that's what she said. This is insane. This is outrageous. This is ridiculous. And she knows what's going to happen. She's going to get the crap kicked out of her. But it's Tom, I saw yesterday a gay man in California, a teacher, went on his own time and testified as a citizen before the school board, objecting to the push in the school district to bring trans ideology into the classroom. And he said in his remarks, trans ideology is anti-woman. It's anti-gay. It's anti-human. And it must not be tolerated in our classrooms. Literally the next day, when he arrived at school, the people who run the school were waiting for him at the door. Stopped him at the door before he could go to the class, took him to the principal's office, and fired him. He was on Fox last night with his attorney in a case, Tom, that I think could go all the way to the Supreme Court. So the most unlikely people are fighting back. And that if, if, if we were not seeing that, all would be lost. But it's, it's going to be 
important beyond description that we win this upcoming presidential election. And I disagree that some of the people telling us they can win and Trump can't. I disagree with that assertion. I don't know whether Trump can or not, but I know this milquetoast Republicanism of Nikki Haley and a lot of other ones I won't name is not up to the job. So that's a plus thing. If we can win this next presidential election, get a three or four or five seat majority in the Senate, increase our majority in the House, it's doable, it's possible. If that happens, we have a chance of reversing this. But if we go deeper in the hole in the House and Senate, give them four more years in the in the White House, I'm afraid it's over. Talk about over and talk about deep in the hole. That's us. That's us. You've listened to another great edition of the Bauer and Rose Show. This one a record setter. Bauer, now the eternal... Uh, uh, the eternal uh, rose-colored glasses optimist. By the way, again, BowerAndRoseRadio.com. We'd love to hear from you. Send us emails with questions, comments, observations, alternate monologues, uh, suggested employment opportunities for Gary and I after our show gets canceled. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll take them all. I, I'm actually considering accepting a, a sharecropping job. Uh, at a pecan farm in Georgia. So that's where um, that that's where I am. In any event, have a great couple days, everybody. Have a great day.